podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sunday evening checklist. Uh, meal prep done, clothes laid out, and your fantasy NFL team picked for Paddy Power Fantasy's massive £2.75 million prize pot fantasy game. First place wins a million pounds. And because Paddy Power Fantasy games last only as long as the game week, we'll have a winner by Monday. You could pay someone to lay out your clothes on Sundays. Only £9 to enter, and last entry by 6pm Sunday. Paddy Power Fantasy. Hate waiting, love winning. Paddy Power Fantasy rules apply. 18plusbegumbleaware.org Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombe Show, presented by Paddy Power Fantasy, Friday before the second London game of the season. And we have a very special treat for you, gang, in the shape of Greg Rosenthal. He's in town with the Around the NFL boys, and he is on the pod. We caught up with him. The Greg chat is coming up a little bit later on. But first things first, we're going to get right down to business, previewing all the weekend's action, of course, including the Panthers-Bucks at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium with our friend, Mr. Ben Isaacs. Ben, 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 Ben. How have you recovered from Sunday? Um, not fully. And there was my daughter who's still in a bit of a huff about it after making her junior reporter debut yes. at the game. Is she a Chase Daniel fan? Uh, she, I would not categorize her as a Chase Daniel fan. Certainly not. Are there many Chase Daniel fans? Um, I'm sure his parents speak very highly of him. His family, his friends. Yeah, but the Chase Daniels that we saw on Sundays, the Chase Daniels we saw in the game against the New York Giants yeah. last season, he, he came in in a pinch for the Bears and beat the Lions and then with a week to prepare and the opposition having a week to prepare and see what Chase can and can't do they lost to the Giants last season a bad team and they lost to the Raiders this season that's why Chase has started like five games in 11 seasons we have talked a lot of Chase Dan and Mitch Trubisky this season we're not going to get into that I do want to get to your jumper though and for the benefit of our listeners on the pod if you head on over to our Facebook page uh, at the NC Show ESPN's YouTube channel as well because Ben and I are doing videos today too so you'll uh, see it in its full glory yeah, I, I do love this jumper, and I'm wondering now if I I can claim it as a business expense I if think I'm using it for this. I absolutely should. Okay. Yeah. If you're here, your work is all about the business on this show. We have got a lot to get into. We're going to preview all the weekend's games, of course, particularly Panthers-Bucks, the second London game of uh, this season. We're going to record a special college preview as well, which isn't going to go on the pod, but it's going to go out again on the social channels I mentioned, so at the NC Show, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Also on the ESPN Player social channels, that's just at ESPN Player. Uh, so go and find that there, go and look on over there, and you get, get a look at that, get you ready for uh, the big games this weekend in college. But I want to start with Thursday Night Football. The Patriots rolling on once again, unsurprisingly, we figured it would be a double-digit win for them. And once again, it was the defense and the special teams standing out in in particular, how much can we tell about this New England Patriots side at the moment, Ben? Seeing as they haven't really played anyone decent, yeah, they've they've played a succession of pretty bad teams. But the thing to look at when when you have a team, we can get onto this with the San Francisco 49ers as well. When you see a team that is playing against clearly inferior opponents, the sort of teams that you would not expect to make the playoffs, and they are blowing them out, and they are dominating in all three phases, then I think you can take something from it. Were they dominating in all three phases? Didn't the defense and special teams win this game for them? The defense, yes, but I wouldn't say it was kind of full of offensive miscues, although it wasn't it wasn't their cleanest game, and the, the Giants' defense is okay. Yeah. But they played suffocating defense. Yeah. They played opportunistic defense, which they've been doing all season. Special teams seem to come up with a big play every mm. week. It's it's incredible. And we're seeing Tom Brady game manager. Yeah. 
which is which is surprising. But if you were going to have anyone managing a game, it may as well be him. He's the most intelligent quarterback in the league. There are parallels, obviously, with the latter day Peyton Manning and that Broncos team with an incredibly strong defense and a player that perhaps, well, certainly wasn't at his prime anymore. I'm not suggesting that Brady's performances dipped to the levels that Manning had uh, sure. pro rata, but there are a lot of parallels with those the, the constructs of both of those teams, aren't there? There are. When when Manning first came over, it was it was a high octane offense, and they didn't win a Super Bowl. And then they started leaning on the defense, and they did. And it was a little bit Peyton Manning, the Peyton Manning, the game manager, not quite to the extent we've seen with with Brady, but with both of those players, of, of course, they are not in their physical prime anymore. But these are obviously two of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. They're incredibly savvy. They know how to win, and with the Patriots especially, they've got probably the greatest head coach of all time so he knows how to play to those strengths mask any weaknesses there are on the offense and and clearly this is not a team that is packed full of offensive weapons they've got quite a workman-like offense it's 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 not quite say the the 2000 uh, ravens with with trent dilfer and a couple of bruising running backs but they're closer to that than a lot of the other patriots teams that have won super bowls you hot taking tom brady to trent dilfer there well, no, 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 no. The weather is cold, but the takes are not quite as hot as that, I'm afraid. The uh, interesting thing uh, coming out pregame was Robert Kraft, the Patriots owner, asked about the return of Gronk, which, you know, inevitably uh, he's probably asked by every single day of the season so far. But he said quite mischievously, I thought, hasn't handed in his retirement papers. Apparently Gronk's lost 20 pounds in decent shape. These, these rumors won't go away. And they, and I guess they certainly benefit from vintage era Gronk, but even a, a banged up 50 percent Gronk this offense would, would probably benefit from oh that. totally and the thing is is that even if he's at 50 percent he will get covered like he's at least 75 percent yes, t- demands attention it, absolutely I think the Patriots would love him to come back but as it stands right now they will cruise to the AFC East and we'll see how they do against the elite teams but, but Philly in a few weeks haven't they that when uh, November that'll be probably the, the first sternest test yeah we've we'll, got a reasonably vanilla schedule till, till then yeah we'll learn we'll learn more then but but right now with the with the way that that offense is is running when it has to I mean Tom Brady became the oldest player to run for two touchdowns I've always said he's game. a great running quarterback oh yeah I mean he's clearly he's clearly Michael Vick <laughs> by run it's basically one step and you're just piling yeah. in piling but, he, but he can just do it and that's the sort that's the sort of thing that a that a game manager a game manager can do we'll learn a lot more in that Eagles game but they're obviously a lock to win the AFC East right now and I wouldn't want to play them they've got I mean they've got the NFC East tandem as well and those matchups I mean it's the easiest schedule you can get which uh, uh, they're not going to be concerned about uh, at all just one final thing on the Patriots and the offense and Edelman in particular who uh, of course is one of these key players in the latter day Patriots McDaniels offense and is a clutch player we've seen so many times he comes up big you know particularly in the postseason particularly in the Super Bowl but his regular season uh, receiving output isn't as prolific as as many other receivers uh, he's on pace for one of his strongest seasons ever back-to-back 100 yard sure. games and I wonder if that's a trend to keep an eye on that given uh, they're spraying it around as they always do but given each year that seems to that, that dynamic seems to change with the absence of Gronk as well whether Edelman is going to emerge as 1,012 1,300 yard receiver in the regular season and be his favourite target yeah it feels like it's about time and it's about time the Patriots would have had kind of a a, a top class number one receiver which they have loved spreading the ball around but you know they completed passes to about 10 different players yesterday do you reckon they'll trade for uh, uh, or do a deal for somebody in before the deadline 
Well, obviously they, they took the opportunity with Antonio Brown, which was something that they feel kind of fell in their lap. I think right now they'll be happy to kind of, uh, no pun intended, but stand pat. Nice. And, nice. Yeah. Um, I claim that as a business expense <laughs> as well. I think, um, they may, they may have felt, okay, do you know what? We went for AB. It was, it was in a way a disaster, although it didn't really cost them too much in terms of kind of, um, off the field problems and money they were just able to kind of cut their losses and go I think they'll like what they've got right now and I don't think they'll want to mix it up too much right let's get on to the weekend's previous there's only one place we can start Ben Isaacs and that of course is Minnesota <laughs> no it's not it is the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium which was wow what, what an experience it was last we were expecting more of the same this time around disappointing uh, that we don't have Cam Newton representing for the Bucks as you rightly said before we started rolling often on the field the he is a must-watch ticket, but uh, nevertheless, we're expecting, uh, I think, some a close game. I think we're expecting. I think if you look at how these two matched up earlier in the season, the Bucks are the one team that have managed to keep Christy McCaffrey in check. They've got the number one rushing defense right now in the NFL. So that is where it's, it's going to come down to, or certainly one of the key battles. Can McCaffrey have a typical day at the office, or will the Bucks repeat what they did earlier on in the season? I think it's safe to say if McCaffrey does what he's been doing recently, this is going to be a Panthers win. If anyone, if anyone can shut him down, the, the Bucks are built for it. They're, they're, they're built to stop the run. And that's useful as well, even when Cam Newton is playing. So you take that dimension out and in theory, the Panthers are going to have problems because they had, they had the, the dual threat of, of Newton and McCaffrey against that, against that stout running defense and the Bucks shut them down. McCaffrey just seems to have built up ahead of steam now. And I think everyone knows that the offense relies on him. Carl Allen is efficient. He's confident. I think McCaffrey is going to continue his streak. And I would say a Panthers win, personally. You'll go for a Panthers win on McCaffrey. And uh, he was a subject of my, my column this week uh, for ESPN UK. You uh, contributed that, of course. All I the did. best bits were from him, quite frankly. Not least the point you made about McCaffrey emerging from college. Of course, he was the runner-up in the Heisman Explosive Player in college. He was a top 10 pick. But there were still doubters, weren't there, that he could translate that and, and migrate to the NFL comfortably. Yeah, it was thought that he was perhaps too small, a bit too fragile, and whether he'd be able to break tackles in the NFL. And the, the Panthers saw his potential, but didn't, didn't use him as much as he's being used now. At that point, they had Jonathan Stewart, you know, an effective lead running back, and they put the game on the shoulders of Cam Newton. And then they soon started to realize that everything that he was doing in Stanford, that he should have won a Heisman Trophy. He was absolutely robbed, and there's a lot of reasons why he didn't get it. But those reasons were nothing to do with his talent. And he's... He's living up to all that potential. He's proving people wrong who thought that, oh, he doesn't have, doesn't have the size and power to do it at the next level. He's a better player now than he was in college. He's dominating games more than he did against the inferior opponents. I was really looking forward when these, when the London schedule was released. I thought, I can't wait to see Cam Newton. That's a player to kind of tick off the list that you want to have seen in the flesh. I've never seen him in the flesh. But they would miss McCaffrey more than they would miss Cam Newton. And that, that is not something I would expect to be saying uh, a month or so ago. 
Kyle Allen's done a solid job coming in, but it seems to be regressing. So I think that's a concern for uh, for the Panthers on Sunday, uh, particularly if they can keep the running game, if not uh, as in check as they did earlier on this season, then then certainly reduce the impact that we've seen against other teams. Just quickly on college players and their migration and the NFL careers so far, a longer sample size with James Winston, of course, compared to uh, McCaffrey. And it's been a, a fairly volatile up and down Jekyll and Hyde type affair for Winston, but it seems to be on the upward trajectory. Working under Bruce Arians, we seem to be seeing a lot more of the James Winston we expected to see from from near enough from the start, right? Well, there was the season that Florida State won the national championship, and he seemed like he was almost perfect, although he had he had a lot of weapons and he had a really good defense. And then the following season, they only um, you know they lost in the college football uh, playoff, and they had a fantastic season. But they had a bit like I was saying about the 40, um, the the 49ers and the Patriots when they're playing these weaker teams they are generally blowing them out and that Florida State team with Jameis Winston in his final season they were playing the weaker teams and beating them but scraping past them and he was making a lot of mistakes he was he was erratic so when we've seen that in the NFL I haven't been that surprised sometimes we get final season Jameis Winston and sometimes we get penultimate season Jameis Winston. And I think he will always oscillate between those two. I don't think there is a, which is the real Jameis Winston? It's both of them. It's Jay Cutler syndrome. It's, are we getting good Jay or bad Jay? Do you know what? They are both the same person. And you're just going to have to deal with the fact that they can go up and down. I I like Jameis Winston, but whether he's going to be a an elite quarterback ever I've got my doubts okay and your pick then you're going I'm going with the Panthers I think that McCaffrey is on such a roll right now and that they will they will be able to work out that that Bucks defense yeah I'm worried about the Panthers pass rush uh, honestly but I think the Bucks get the win I think they will stifle the running game just enough I think Winston I will take over Kyle Allen yep. you've got you know Evans and, uh, and Godwin balling right now so I think the Panthers in a close game and I'm thinking a lot of people are saying a low scoring game it was an interesting point uh, uh, one of the Vegas Sharps was making that when teams have played uh, already in the season and play again it typically the under statistically tends to come out I know that might be neutralized by uh, by the neutral field of, uh, of of Spurs, but I have a feeling we might be seeing quite a few points in this one. I, I, I would agree. I think this one is going to be a really good game, um, and Mike Evans could could be the key. He was kept very quiet last week, and he is an elite receiver. If he has if he has a big game, then you could see a Bucks win. Okay, let's move on to 49ers Rams, one of the games of the weekend, uh, one of the games of the season really so far, not least because of the 49ers. Uh, emerging back uh, to the top of the pile. And that's where they are right now. You know, they're on beaten side statistically. Uh, and I was getting a bit of criticism on social media this week because on the Monday show, uh, sorry, on our Wednesday show, I, Mike and I were talking about looking back at Monday Night Football and talking about uh, the 49ers win, but had emphasized the Browns and t- spent too much time on the Browns. So let's redress the balance a bit. What has made this 49ers team so competitive this season Ben in your eyes um, I like the fact they've got quite a chippy angry defense they seem to they seem to really dislike the teams they play against um, obviously we saw the way that Nick Bosa was behaving and I, I, like, I like I like Nick Bosa's post-match press but you were saying not so much well I'm not necessarily not the, his biggest fan I'm not his biggest off the field fan okay. but on, on the field I think he's um, I think he's a fantastic player he is going to be a top level pass rusher for for a decade and I think they can build that defense around him they've got a really nicely balanced team the 49ers 
updated. It's been put together well. But although they're blowing those teams out, let's not forget the combined record of the teams they've played so far are 5 and 15. Sure. So it's the same problem that the Patriots have to a degree. We can't work out just how good they are, relatively speaking. But they seem to be incredibly balanced, which is obviously the, the ticket to a deep playoff run usually. They've got... As you said, a strong defense. Their offense has a good ground game going now. Garoppolo is improving. And I was, and I've said this a few times, I think this season, the ridiculous haters writing off Garoppolo earlier on in the season and preseason. Come on. Uh, however, he's not necessarily winning too many games for them, but he's not losing too many games for them. Decent special teams, great coaching as well. I mean, it, they seem to be reasonably complete in, in all four areas. Yeah, they've not, they've not been um, giving the ball to Jimmy G and saying, right, you've got to go and win this for us. They've said... Don't, you know, it. Don't yeah. screw it up, Jimmy. Keep keep making those first downs, which is what he's doing. Like last week against the Browns, he wasn't the man, not because he had a bad game, but because he didn't have to. They were they were they were calling the plays that took advantage of everything the Browns were giving them and doing that. It doesn't have to be Jimmy G throwing forty times, thirty seven completions, and four touchdowns. That's not necessarily how you win week to week in and the NFL. You don't NFL. need that. You don't need that. Uh, no. Conversely, the. Rams have trouble with their running game. Goff is more erratic than uh, they would like. Uh, and defensively, they're probably not living up to their billing, right, in terms of their playmaking ability as well. So clearly it's not working as fluently as it should for the Rams this season, certainly uh, not at the level they were for most of last season can they turn it around and is this the game that they is it a statement win game for LA it's it's going to have to be if they if they want to if they've got realistic expectations to make the playoffs that AFC West division is absolutely brutal which is not necessarily what we expected the NFC West sorry the NFC West the Seahawks are better than better than we thought at the start of the season not that people wrote them off but they are better yeah right the 49ers only 40. I think people did write them off again. Well, when I say I don't, I mean nobody expected them to be kind of like five and eleven. Yeah, but just didn't expect them to be a top this, six team. Yeah. Sure, and the 49ers really only 49ers fans expected such a bounce back. So the Rams are going to have to get on with it because I don't think they want to fall to three and three, and they're going to start to need to win games in this division. They've just lost to the Seahawks. Aaron Donald has to do more. If they can get a lot of pressure on uh, Jimmy G then and force him into making mistakes, then they can get that statement win. This is a game that if the Rams lose, it's not that the season's over, but they've got a lot of ground to catch up. I think the Rams are going to win. You're taking Rams. Uh, I am taking the Rams. I think they will as well. Much of, I'm risking the wrath again of uh, our 49ers listeners. But look, we paid a lot of lip service to you today. And I am, I'm buying the 49ers. The, I think they're good. They're, but, they're a playoff team. They yeah. are a playoff team. But I think the Rams win this one as well. Uh, as well. And again, I'm seeing a lot of points here as well. I expect a shootout. I think the over uh, looks quite tempting there. Uh, okay, let's go then uh, to Eagles-Vikings next. This might be game of the week. Yeah. I mean, you, yeah, maybe I, she's cl- close for the, these two, I think, as well, of course, of London. London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, London I, game of the week. but I mean, I'm, I see the London game is as a separate time slot. I'm thinking <laughs> you're afterwards. Man, I'm only playing with you. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, out of 49ers, Rams, Eagles, Bucks, yeah, it's, it's a pick'em. Uh, and uh, interesting for the same reasons, I think the Vikings can't afford to lose this game, I don't think. No, I, I think it's, um, it's both, both those teams have got teams that, in in their in their respective divisions that are in theory leading the way in Dallas and Green Bay, and they've got to they've got to keep up. Now, a few weeks back we were saying how bad zero and two is, and zero and two is bad. But three and three when you are expecting to make the playoffs and you are and you are falling behind yeah. is is an issue. 
But to me, the bigger issue is, like, last year, it was either the Eagles or Vikings were going to make it through on the last week of the season. The Bears beat the Vikings and the Eagles managed to sneak in. It could be that if both these teams are going for a wild card, this head-to-head could be what knocks one of those teams Mm -hmm. out. So this is going to have playoff implications further down the line. This isn't going to end anyone's season. It isn't going to push someone into kind of like Super Bowl contention. But these are two teams with legitimate Super Bowl aspirations. And a loss would be pretty bad because of what it could mean at the end of December. Totally. And I think with Minnesota as well, all the extra baggage, you know, the issue with Cousins and Thielen and... Look, they got that back on track, but it was against the Giants, a big asterisk there. Diggs is clearly unsettled and not the player that, that we know. And there's a lot of buzz, a negative discussion around him as well and, and, and whether he's going to move on. So there just seems to be a fair amount of turbulence around the Vikings this season, which no NFL team wants. And I think if against the Eagles, who are obvious NFC contenders, NFC champion contenders here, this is important for for so many reasons. Yes, you're right. So I'm going to derail their season if they don't win. But I think if they don't win, they're going to be really, really up against it. Let's look at some of the key matchups here. Um, offensively, because of Cousins and his uh, continued... Uh, and what am I trying to say here? Because of Cousins and the fact that he, he forces the issue, not in the same way that, say, Mayfield does or Brett Favre does, but... Under pressure in big games, he's often lacking sure. when it comes to the crunch. If you compare him to, say, uh, an Eli Manning, who uh, over the course of a season, over the course of his career, is indifferent, but in clutch situations could often deliver it. Cousins seems to be the opposite kind of quarterback, where he'll smash it out of the park against mediocre teams, but in big game situations, he doesn't seem to be able to deal with it to the level that he's expected to the level they're paying it to. Yeah, considering the wide receivers he's got and the fact he's got Dalvin Cook who has been one of the most effective running backs, perhaps the most effective pure running back in the NFL this season. Would you take Kirk Cousins at the Bears over Trubisky or Dak? No, no. You wouldn't take him over Trubisky? Why not? Absolutely not. Kirk Cousins is just, he's a failure. And do you know what? The Vikings should still have Teddy Bridgewater. Is anyone, is any Vikings fan watching those Saints games where Teddy Bridgewater is tearing it up and thinking, oh, I'm glad well, we don't have him anymore. The most recent game he did, and then that's got a lot to do with Sean Payton. I don't know, that's a big call. Teddy, you wouldn't, you wouldn't take Cousins over Mitch Trubisky? No, I think you, you, you're just going with mediocrity. Okay. I would take Teddy Bridgewater over Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, okay, well, that's a different conversation. And maybe you can get that deal done. I'm gonna, that. I'm gonna make some calls. I'm not, yeah. I'm, I'm not throwing the baby up with the bathwater with Mitch Trubisky. I'm going to wait till the end of the season. Uh, how good are these Eagles? They're, they're serious contenders. They've been born without Deshaun Jackson, who is, uh, we established is, is playing like it's 2012 when he was, <laughs> yeah. when he was fit. They're back and uh, will be back and, and in business. Uh, we'd imagine picking up where he left off. So they're only going to get stronger. They've dealt with adversity and key injuries, certainly offensively, and are still demonstrating they're a top seed. How, how high, how big are you on the Eagles? This I'm, season? I'm pretty big. Um, I think... The way, the way, the way that things are trending, they can win the NFC East, which will, it's really between two teams. Yeah. Um, I think the, the Eagles defense is going to be what, what tips the balance. And I think it's, it's what will, what can tip the balance this week. That rush defense. If they can, if they can stop Dalvin Cook in the same way that they've got to be able to stop, they've got to stop Zeke Elliott twice a season in Dallas. And I think they can stop Dalvin Cook this week put the game in Kirk Cousins' hands and we know what happens 
when that happens. Bye-bye, Minnesota. So you're yeah. picking Philly for the road win. I'm picking Eagles. I am taking the Vikings at home. Just to be contrary. I, I, I mean, for me, it's a really tough one to call. Oh, I, it's, it's, it's a toss-up. I mean, that's a potential kind of last possession game. Looking forward to it, though. All right. Uh, a lot of others to rattle through. Hey, how about the Redskins-Dolphins? Uh, that has been known as the Tank Bowl. Uh, OCU Manure called it the Toilet Bowl uh, on a show I did the other day. Uh, I think it's probably even worse uh, derogatory terms applied to it. I fancy the Dolphins are going to win this and blow their chances of getting the number one pick. Um, well... I don't think the Dolphins will win, but I think that even if they did, it wouldn't it wouldn't blow their chances because they still look like a one in fifteen, two and fourteen team. Are you buying what the interim coach bounced for the Redskins? No, I'm just I'm just buying the the that Washington have more talent on the roster right now. I think the Dolphins are a worse team, but in a better position as a franchise than Washington, who are still I don't think they've bottomed out. Miami are bottoming out and accept that they're bottoming out. What did Washington do with the quarterback position? Uh, oh, boy. They should just play Dwayne Haskins. Yeah. Play Dwayne Haskins. Let him take his lumps. Do you think, though? Because, I mean, I, I don't think the Giants should have thrown Jones in as early as they have. And I think that's playing itself out. And I know, again, I get the idea. Get the reps. That's the only way you're going to learn. But I, just spend five, six, seven weeks on the sideline. You got, your season is going nowhere. Why, why take the risk? I think with... With Jones, I think you're right, because you know what you've got with Eli Manning. This is a guy who's won two Super Bowls, and I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. That's a discussion we're going to have in a couple of years. But Washington don't have anybody. And, you know, I can think of two particular quarterbacks who had absolutely awful rookie seasons. A guy called Peyton Manning was one, and Troy Aikman, another. Absolutely disastrous. They threw so many interceptions, they lost so many games. But they got so much good experience, and those were teams that were bottoming out. How many, ex- you know, they are two exceptional players, and how many examples to the country can you give? But David Carr for starters, right? But you've got to, you've got to find out. You've got to find out. You know, they're in the same position as as that Cowboys and Colts team were. You've got to but, sit and learn, I think, Ben. Sit and just watch and learn. You can pick up a lot. Who but, are you picking? Um, I'm picking. Wash- you're picking the Washington. I'm you? picking Washington, but oh, go Fins. Oh boy, the thing is. I would rather watch this game than than some others because I think it's going to be it's, it's going to be quite Compelling. close. So if we think the Dolphins Redskins is going to be a nine six thriller. I think there'll be a few more points in the Texas Chiefs, right? Yeah. Uh, the first note I made for this game was points, 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 and nice. That's sort of that's what people will be expecting. Tune in and I'll just constant touchdowns. Concerns are starting to appear based on their lofty standards with the Chiefs and, and Mahomes. And this is the point, isn't it? I mean, first he got banged up last week against the Colts, a friendly fire, tread on the ankle, uh, and he wasn't himself. The week before, he had an indifferent performance by his standards. So let's not get carried away here. What is the concern, I think, is they're letting teams run over them. Yep. Uh, I think it's three consecutive, well, certainly 300 plus yard runners this season. It might be consecutive games, but certainly you can run on the Chiefs at the moment. We know you can pass on the Chiefs. That's still an issue from last year. So much like last year, going to be able to rack up a hell of a lot of points, have a fragile, albeit a playmaking fragile defense. It's a roller coaster kind of ride. Yeah. Um, my, my biggest worry for them is the offensive line. Um, and that they're, they're not protecting Mahomes as well as you would like. And JJ Watt can feast on that. They've just got to, they've got to keep, they've got to keep Mahomes clean. There's certain things that the Texans did last week against Atlanta, just lots of deep balls, which I don't think they're going to be doing as much this week. This is still Mahomes, this is still Mahomes league as it stands right now. 
Um, and I'm pretty confident they'll beat the Texans. They also against the Colts, you know, they had the Sammy Watkins issue, their injuries offensively too. They come out bearing their teeth there. You think they, uh, cause the Texans have similar problems with their line as well, which are well documented and don't seem to be getting a, a huge amount better. Uh, so the Chiefs are going to be licking their chops in that respect too. So we're expecting a freewheeling kind of show from Watson and Mahomes. A lot of points, but the Chiefs come out on top. Yeah. I'm picking them too. Uh, Kansas City for the home win. Let's go to Saints Jaguars next in Jacksonville. I like Saints for the road win here. We referenced earlier on Teddy, four touchdowns, the crowd chanting his name. It's logical for me that Sean Payton has taken a few weeks to work out, okay, so how are we going to build an offense that works for this guy? And that's what they're doing at the moment. He's holding the fort and then some. Uh, I think they are going to be too strong on the road for, for Jacksonville. Minshew, we all love. We all love the improvisation. We all are buying into that as a quarterback who's just rolled in like he's been here for years. And the defense is still balling, but I think the Saints get the road win. Yeah, I'm confident in the Saints, and I think big game um, for Kamara. The, the the Jacksonville run defense has been poor. Um, maybe if they can get Fournette going, that they can start something. But I'm I'm pretty confident that Teddy Bridgewater, who should be an NFL starter somewhere, is going to win this comfortably for the Saints. Still no word on Jalen Ramsey as well. That's a strange situation. But uh, yeah, I'm with you on that. We're both picking the Saints. Seahawks at the Browns. The Browns, of course, have to bounce back after getting absolutely shellacked on Monday Night Football. That is a difficult bounce-back game with one of the strongest teams in the NFL right now heading to Cleveland. Russell Wilson in the MVP uh, discussion and all the problems we uh, have touched upon in detail on the Wednesday pod with our Mike about the Cleveland Browns. I think Seattle roll into Cleveland and get the win. Yeah, I think this should be a comfortable Seahawks win. The, the Browns also got to deal with the fact that it's a short week. At least they're at home now. Um, it's a long trip to Seattle, but they haven't played since Thursday, and I think they are just going to run, 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 and the Browns will not be able to stop it, and the, the Browns are going to fall to two and four. And that's the end of their season? Well, possibly, but I'm still not totally convinced by um, the rest of the AFC North. Sure, that so, is massively in their favour, isn't it? Yeah. It's a division no one seems to want uh, to win. What about the Falcons-Cardinals? Uh, Atlanta season has to be done. It has to be done. Uh, and Arizona was never going to get started in any kind of serious playoff uh, contention. Um, Kyler Murray, what have you made being a, a college guy? What have you made of Kyler Murray's four or five games in the NFL this season? I've liked his development. Um, and there's obviously been plenty of criticism um, because of uh, Cliff Kingsbury and, oh, he's out of his depth and all this sort of stuff. But I think I think they're building towards something. Atlanta, if they lose, then, yeah, definitely season's over. But if they nah, win, who, who knows? Maybe they can grab something. I, I think this is an Atlanta win. Atlanta road win. I'm picking the Cardinals at home there. Cowboys-Jets, Cowboys road win. My lock of the week, the Cowboys... Uh, will bounce back, will show what they're made of. Yes, Sam Darnold should be back for the New York Jets. That'll give them something, but we have no idea how long his absence uh, as a, will affect what he manages to do. Uh, Cowboys all the way for me. Yeah, Cowboys struggle against good teams, and spoiler alert, the Jets are not a good team. I think this is going to be the Zeke show, even though the Jets' run defense is kind of sneaky good. This is this is a comfortable win. Do the Broncos get their second win of the season? Tennessee visiting, who are, as we'd expect, Tennessee, hot and cold. They are sailing towards 8-8, eight 9-7 eight, and seven once again, aren't they? Well, yeah. Yeah, they are, basically. I mean, Derek Henry uh, matches up well against the Denver Rundy, which has been pretty poor. But I think the Broncos are going to start to get things 
going a little bit and Philip Lindsay's doing nicely. I'm, I'm going for the Broncos. Now the Chargers have had a really frustrating season. Steelers visiting them this weekend. Uh, of course with a third string quarterback after that horrendous, uh, injury. Uh, which I just cannot bring myself to, to look at again to, to Mason Rudolph. Uh, so the Steelers are going to be heavy dogs going into and a different LA side. Turnover is an issue for Philip Rivers. They had injuries to contend with as well. I think this is the game they need to get their season back on track. It is a gift for the LA Chargers. I think they get the win. Oh, yes. Yeah, perfect timing for them. I mean, who would have guessed these two teams would be a combined three and seven? I, I'm also going with the Chargers. They're going to have to get pressure on on Rivers to us to stand any chance but I think Rivers is just too savvy the Steelers just have so many offensive problems that it's it's difficult to see them winning and the Chargers can get their season back on track tough one in the Lions heading uh, to Lambeau because the Lions offer bye week uh, as well which I think gives them a little bit of an extra edge there and we've been singing the praises of this Detroit team uh, so far particularly defensively uh Offensively, it's going to be really interesting given how Green Bay are leading uh, in that respect in terms of the balance of their side. Uncharacteristically for them, it's their defense that's winning games for them this season. The Cowboys, they absolutely blew uh, Dak and co. apart. Will they do the same uh, to Matt Stafford? I think they will. The When the Packers have played the, the, the better teams on their schedule, they've managed to raise their game. Um, the Eagles showed how to beat the Packers, and it's if you can effectively run the ball on that defense. I'm not sure that the Lions have that personnel to do it. I really like what the Lions have done this season, but this is not a game they're going to win. I'm going Packers as well. And that is a wrap, my friend. It is great to see you, and I should point out to all our listeners, you're a pro because uh, you're under the weather. Yeah, you battled through. I am, I am, I am, I am dosed up. I'm hoping that the NFL is not going to make me take a urine test. (laughs) Well, if they do, put that and whatever drugs are in your system on your business expenses as well, (laughs) along with the jumper. Uh, Benny, I'll see you Sunday at Spurs. Yeah, we will. Look after yourself. Thank you. Cracking stuff from Ben and that college video that we referenced there where Ben picks uh, the ESPN Player Games of the weekend, the college games, the big games you can watch over on ESPN Player. That's a separate special video. You can go and find that on the ESPN Player social media channels at ESPN Player, unsurprisingly, at the NC Show, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, and get involved and get stuck in uh, with that. Some bonus college goodness from Ben. We'll be catching up with him very soon, but delighted to say, coming next, our friend, Greg Rosenthal in town for the big game. And of course, we caught up with him. Greg, it is good to see you, man. How about this? This is amazing. I arrive in London and Nat, you know, shuts down restaurants for me. <laughs> for, that's how big a deal this hit is. Harry, our producer, has to take all the credit. He's a connected man, of course, as you well know. Uh, he is. I mean, it was tough. They've got us working, you know, for NFL media. It's a short trip here. There's not a lot of, uh, free time. And Harry's like, I can, I can find a restaurant and I'm just not going to do a British accent for you oh, guys. Please just try. Like, please no, try. I'm not going to try it. Okay. Just, you know, I can find a restaurant, someone near you, just shut it down. That, that's how important you are to the Nat Coombs show. That was quite yeah, Harry-esque, actually, when you went into that, even though the accent wasn't quite right. You had, you captured right. it. You captured it. Uh, and of course, with the facial hair that you've mm. developed since the last time I saw you, tell us about that Greg. Well, what is there to say, really? Um, you know, I look like a, a homeless man, um, but I used to look like just like a small child, and now I'm trying to work on that. My wife is mixed on it. Oh, you look like you could be, I think, rhythm guitar in a... <laughs> 
mid to late night in Seattle. I supported Soundgarden once type man. Okay. Yeah, I would go with that. I mean, it's like I've got the body of like a 13-year-old girl, so I want to just show the audience on Sky Sports uh, this Sunday. Your rival. Sorry to mention it. We're all friends. Neil's coming on the show soon. It's all good. It's all good. one happy family. It's like a, you know, a frenemy, a friendly rivalry. You exactly and, that. You and Neil. It's quite Anchorman-esque at times. He, he, all he does is talk about you. I Just nat, 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 nat all that. the time. It's all good. I saw, I saw him the other day. I'm kidding, of he course. stopped talking uh, as the moment I walked over as though he had just been. So, mm. yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know what I was surprised about? We had uh, Vernon Kay on the show last week. Uh, we caught up. Uh, where were we? We were at uh, Raiders uh, practice. And we ended up catching up, spending an un... Uh, a completely uh, illogical amount of time on The Wonder Years, the TV show. Hmm. The great The Wonder Years. And just before we started recording, Harry and I were talking about The Littlest Hobo, which listeners of a certain generation will remember, a TV show when we were kids that was on. Which I'm sure it was an American show, but you'd never heard of The Littlest Hobo. I never have. Well, so what, am I The Littlest Hobo? That's no, the end of the story? No, you dropped a line that was in the theme <laughs> sheet. Maybe tomorrow, I think you said. Maybe tomorrow, and that oh, was okay. in the theme sheet. Maybe tomorrow. So it got me thinking, what shows did you watch? Did Greg Rosenthal watch as a kid? Wonder Years was up there. Was I, I was pretty young for that. Uh, <laughs> Low blow. No, I'm 40. Uh, I'm older than you. Well, hang right? on. Yeah, but wait a minute. So are you too young for that? That's peak Wonder Years. We're not going to spend more time on the, on the Wonder Years. What else? Uh, Cheers was big. I was Wonder also Grace. very young for that, but, but Cheers. I don't really remember my childhood. It was a dark period for me. Um, <laughs> no, I watched, you know, the reality is I watched MTV like nonstop. Were you a rock? I was one of the kids, you know, my, my parents let me watch whatever. From like 8 to 13, I feel like the thing, I, it was MTV all day. Like I would memorize the top 20 countdown and then sports. So there wasn't, I feel like there wasn't like a lot. I mean, there was other stuff, but the sports and MTV kind of dominated. What else is there in life? You know, TV? you know, I was listening to a little Def Leppard early I on. Were a rocker. I, thought, I thought you might be. Sure. Um, but then Yo! MTV Raps came up. You know, you had Alternative Nation. You had 120 minutes at night. I liked, you know, Pavement and Nirvana What was the metal one? Stuff. Headbangers Ball. That was cool. Yeah, that yeah. was too hard for me. Was it? I'm not into the headbangers. Yeah, because <laughs> the, uh, we were thinking about this, and you, as you said, you got a crazy busy schedule here for the Bucks Panthers game, and around the NFL is blowing up. And love the promo, by the way, because we've been keeping a close eye on iTunes because they've given us a bit of love this week mm. as well on the homepage banner. And I was showing someone, look, we're on the homepage banner of uh, front page of iTunes pods, and then what's right next door? Ooh. Around the NFL, wearing. Have you seen? Have you seen this promo? I think they used it last year, so oh, okay. I'm happy that they're doing it again. Yes, it's like what, like buses or something in the background, some sort of. It's fun very, yeah, it's very. Um, you have been Londonized, but you've got. Um, yes, I think they used it a year ago. That's great. Ridiculous headgear on. I'll show you right now. There you go. <laughs> Hang on, it's, it's a thing of beauty. Hang on. What's the word I'm looking for? Has the hats. soldiers' hats? Oh, the big bearskin. Bearskin, big bearskin hats. There you go. They, we haven't. Luckily, that's one thing of having such a packed schedule this week. They don't have us doing a lot of like silly, uh, touristy, like photo uh, things where we walk, ar- walk around. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm sure that the CBS broadcaster, whoever is covering the game, will do. Yeah. So there's, it's almost like British or London bingo. There'll be Big Ben. Yeah. There'll be references to fish and chips and the Queen. I think um, NFL Network is taping outside of Big Ben, which I did years ago once. It was a highlight for me with Steve Weish <laughs> in the middle of the night, a uh, live shot. Steve <laughs> Weish in the middle of the night. Doesn't get, that's the apex of your career. So around the NFL blowing up, and, and congratulations on the continued success of it. And I know a, a lot of our listeners are, are massive fans of you and what the boys do. And I think you're going to be doing so many media ops and talking so much about the game and this and that. 
I thought we could take this time mm. catching up with you to, to talk about different stuff. So what was Greg like as a kid? What did you watch? Who were your favorite? Who was your favorite all time? I was thinking mm. all time favorite NFL TV personality. Let's go. Let's go there. Wow. I mean, it had to be John Madden is mm. a TV personality. Mm. He was the best. I mean, he made it fun for you when you were a kid but you didn't realize like how smart he was making you too and like simplifying it i mean back then i don't remember there even being any remote competition for what was next best monday night football was cool but it was it was so late uh you know john madden and pat summerall who was also classic i would watch those games every week but i also remember i read all the john madden books Mm. which are also very readable Mm. i don't know if they would hold up now but i remember as a 12 you know, thirteen, even even younger. I think all those books are awesome. So you were in love with football from from the very start. I was obsessed with sports. I wouldn't say football was number one on my list. I would say baseball certainly was, and mm. then football and basketball next. But Massachusetts, in general, where I grew up, is sports mad. I mean, as intense, uh, you know, a sports fan region. I think as as there is. There's plenty of others too, but that it's one of them. Uh, and I was, you know, I watched every single Red Sox game, every single page game every single Celtics game like kept notebooks and had my own version of you know fantasy whatever before it even existed just in my own little world we had pre-computer fantasy football where you as in European football and we've got to talk West Ham that reminds me uh where you would it was basically all done by snail mail but done by post and you would get sent a team or snail mail and, and phones but pre-mobile as well so you get sent a team and if you wanted to do a transfer you had to phone a guy up yeah and negotiate and then send the paperwork in i i did a baseball league like that it was called like robot baseball <laughs> and it was something that was in the back of a magazine that you signed up and they would yep. send you the stats packet every week and yeah you would have to you know call in and they were like if you would like to drop you know, Phil Nilsson, press two, or whatever it is. Dave Nilsson, I don't even know. We used to get that as well. So yeah. we used to get the, uh, I don't know what the equipment is. Is it 1 800 numbers in the States or are they free? Yeah. But, but so that's toll free, isn't it? Whatever the, the diametric opposite of that is where you're charged sort of $3 a minute numbers to get often a lot of NFL news. Because yeah. we were so, mm. we had very little. And again, pre internet, to find out what was going on, you used to phone up this number and just listen to news from the NFL. Yeah, I would get my football news from, I didn't have HBO, so you didn't get inside the NFL, and there was pretty limited. So that's why a lot of people think back to NFL primetime. That would probably be the other thing that really stands out, the Chris yeah. Berman, Tom Jackson yeah, yeah, yeah. show that was an hour recap. Those were the only times all week you could see those teams, and those two guys were so great. I just remember getting in a lot of fights because we'd always be visiting my grandfather on Sunday evenings, and I would like leave dinner and run upstairs to watch that and just ignore the rest of my family and not, <laughs> not you know listen to whatever they were saying. Where's Greg? He's upstairs watching Berman. Yep. Did you know then or have a pretty good idea that you'd work in the business in some way? No. Stupidly, I didn't have a much of an idea. Like, when I was young, I thought I wanted to do political broadcasting. Wow. And then I didn't... It could still happen, right? Yeah. And then the school I went to, Tulane, because, you know, it just seemed like a good school to go to. Didn't really have any of that. I did do color, um, like, analysis for the Tulane football team for the student television. But for some reason, still, it didn't really hit me. And my first jobs after school were working in Hollywood, like, for an assistant as for movie producers uh, and things like that. And eventually, yeah. I got a weekend job at Fox Sports in highlights, like, picking what highlights the Sunday show would, would do, kind of writing little sheets for... I think it was J- James Brown at the time and Terry Bradshaw, just like yeah. what highlights were going to be 
they'd be talking over. Keynotes, and yeah. that that's what finally uh, hit it in. And then I just started writing a lot then, my own baseball blog back then. And you went through fantasy. That was a route where you were a fantasy guy first. Yeah, I eventually got a job at Roto World, that's right. uh, which was in New York. And before people really knew about fantasy sports, but yeah, I was a full-time fantasy football writer. My first season was 2003. And back then, I would most of the time when people would ask me what I was doing for work, I'd, I'd just say, "Do you know what fantasy football is?" Because the answer, even with guys, was fifty-fifty. Yeah. A lot of times, they didn't they didn't know what it was. And that's what just in three. So not really. I mean, you know, it, in many respects, not that long ago. If you think about how giant the industry is now, I the time, like I think about that a lot. Malcolm Gladwell writes about how so many people. Timing is, ob- I mean, it's a, it's an obvious point, but me and Chris Wesseling and some other people, it's like when you, if you were getting into the internet between 2000 and 2005, like that was a sweet spot yeah. where that was a good time to be starting and be willing to work seven days a week. Mm. Pretty much almost any time I was awake, I was like, if I was taking a train back from, uh, you know, north of New York back to my apartment in New York for that hour if any NFL news happened it wasn't going up on Roto World yeah. like that was it like I was <laughs> sure. the news I was the news department you know seven days a week 24 hours Amazing. a day yeah. um, and so if you were willing to do that back then but people that started then I still know so many that was kind of the sweet spot if you yeah. could get in then uh, it was well that was nice when Simmons place. broke through wasn't it that kind of early yes. era blogging and, and made right. he did way, it yeah. obviously at a much a much bigger uh, grander scope and started a little earlier than that but mm. that he like many other people is one of the first people I remember you know reading that religiously online out of the out of the around the NFL boys who, who have you known the longest Chris 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 Wesseling I read I was looking for people to write for me at Road World always. I was always hiring people just very part time and Did Mike ha- Carlson tap you up for job? Uh, <laughs> <you know? laughs> I feel like it's possible. Probably did, actually, but I don't remember. Uh, he would have left a message on the odds of Chris wrote a Dynasty football rankings blog. Do you know mm. what Dynasty football is? So you just keep the team each year? Yeah, right? forever. Yeah. You yeah. you have an original draft, but then you just start drafting rookies, and there's certain rules of how many people you can keep. But I think I'm in the Dynasty League this year. Yeah. I say I think, because I'm obviously not paying a huge And he had a blog, and... I was just looking for writers, and I somehow saw it. I don't think he sent it to me. And he had a ranking of the top 300 players in the entire NFL with a paragraph, you know, description. And I said, this is better than our magazine. Like, we do a magazine every year. This is better. And, guy's I, better. and I contacted him, and he was immediately, like, the best person I ever hired there. At uh, Evan Silva was also amazing and is doing amazing work. So the two of them, they had different strengths. But but he started out on the first day. He was brilliant. So how did that all come together again at NFL.com and working together on around the NFL? But that's not a coincidence, right? No. I, uh, I was hired by NFL.com. By then, I had been working for Pro Football Talk, which mm-hmm. NBC bought Roto World. And so I ended up kind of coming along and I kind of segued into managing fantasy and then trying to get into writing quote unquote reality and so I worked for Mike Florio at Pro Football Talk for three years and NFL came and they wanted to hire me to kind of start a Pro Football Talk like uh, blog or news thing and that was around the NFL and the first it took about six months but once I got the chance to have a hire 
Mm. Turned out to be my only one with full benefits. That's how <laughs> corporate works. <laughs> I uh, immediately called Chris, and I was pleasantly surprised he wanted to do it. Brilliant. It feels like an episode of The West Wing. It's like it's like when Josh goes back for Sam to run to work. On the oh, scene. and my Sam old bosses were all furious with me. Uh, the NFL got like even a little annoyed. They're like, "You can't do this again." The top of NBC was very annoyed that I took away West, and they're just like. You can't do that ever again. I was like, nope, Wes, I'm good with Wes. That's Did what you turn I, up at Wes's office like Josh Lyman does with Sam Seaborn? He's in a corporate law office. And <laughs> I thought you'd never call. And <laughs> no, but he said he was driving like – he. I didn't know what he would do because there were certain things he had going on pretty well. And they were, they were pushing hard to keep him. Uh, and I called him and he was like driving from West Virginia to Tybee Island and he had pulled – to the side of the road or something and he said he made up his mind in the minute like he wasn't really sure what to do but we just talked to me I was like alright better go with Greg just, you're just instinct <laughs> I love that so when around the NFL the movie when that is made, <laughs> made eventually that will be a scene in it I'm sure will you guys play yourselves in it or that no will, you, Chris and I would be terrible actors I think Dan and Mark could do it you play know? themselves I think they'd be good actors and no offense to Chris I mean but you guys he will take so who would you have playing I, you couldn't have 50-50 so you'd have to cast it maybe that short guy from the West Wing that you mentioned kind of the one who ended up having the very cute um, love interest jo- Josh Molina is his well, name Josh Molina yeah he'd be a good Molina for you yeah Molina could definitely play you I'm not gonna like go for Harrison yeah. Ford or anything. Well, I can see Ford as well. Particularly with a beard now. He's got the rugged vibe going I mean, on. He's a good car. 75 years old. True. Yeah, but they can do crazy things now with that. Have you seen the, the new Scorsese film? They've done all kinds I'm of... I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah really. Because it's going to appear on Netflix, I think, soon. So it's got a new generation of distribution as well. But from what I was reading, they are... Um, they're able to make De Niro Cartel look 30, 40 years younger, right? If he has looking at Harry Days. It's yeah. a little confusing. I heard the one thing that's problematic is they can do all that, but when someone's getting out of a chair. Mm. It's like they can't make him look like a 30-year-old getting out of a chair. You know what I mean? Because it's your body move. Like, they can make him look it, but his body movement is still that of an old man. And so if you really wanted to focus in... You could spot the you can't, floor. You, well, you can't, like, you know, he's an old man. He's not as nimble as, you know, a 35-year-old would be. Thirty-five year old would be, like, running to a door if he had to do that in the scene. <laughs> right. So you'd have Molina. Who would play Chris? Who'd play Wes? Or Dan? You could pick any. Well, you know, Chris, who is a, you know, a handsome, bald man that we can choose? Well, Gene, kind of Gene Hackman, again, again is, we're casting mm. it timelessly. I mean, Hackman could have been I mean, quite good 30 years ago. People can... He would love it if... Uh, who's the guy who's the Dwayne Johnson psychic in uh, Ballers? <laughs> no idea. I think just because Chris likes him, how about just Timothy Oliphant and he shaves his head? Great. He can do he anything. Can and he's, I'm more thinking of the spirit of Wes, and I feel like Timothy Oliphant with a shaved head. I think I would who cast... Everyone, who complains about that? <laughs> Fair point. I would, I would look at Christian Bale for Mark Sessler. Well, my fa- I think my favorite actor is Christian Bale. Oh, okay. So Ever that- since American Psycho, I've just been on the Christian Bale train where I'm I'm going to go along with whatever he's Pretty doing. Pretty much whatever he is. He is one of those actors, isn't he? That Daniel Day-Lewis, I think, is kind of in the same camp. That you, you, you... Sure, but he has like a movie every five years or something. You think he's a cobbler in Florence. He went off to Florence. Seriously, mm. he's not to live in Florence as a cobbler. He's got sick of the, sick of the rat race. He, I mean, yeah, the, the fighter... Is it called The Fighter? Where he plays yeah. the crackhead boxer, The Fighter. Yeah. yeah. He's bad. That is brilliant. And I think what adds to that folklore of him as well is the um, footage that got released 
uh, audio footage of Christian Bell losing it on set. Do you ever hear that? By Heart Huckabees, which is another great movie. Was yeah. that the film that's, it was? You know, yeah. one of his uh, lower moments. He's, he's spoken about that, mm. that, you know, he... Uh, he regrets He was that. under a lot of pressure. Yeah. yeah. But that just adds to the whole the mystique of him, I think. A little bit. And yeah. what about Dan? Walking Dan, Dan presumably, uh, one of the Belushi brothers, probably Jim. Well, he's going to take offense to that, but Boy. luckily, um, you know, because you're picking kind of a big guy. No, no, just a comedy. He's a, he's a comedy. He's the kind of front man shit. You Quinn. said it. I hey, just hey, wanted to be I'll, clear to the, I didn't to the make snitch taggers on I Twitter. I didn't make that connection. I just see natural comedy. I'm saying Belushi. That's all. I'll go De Niro, you know. De Niro. <laughs> okay. Let's talk West Ham United. So, uh, for listeners, uh, I, I'm sure they I hope a lot of our listeners on this show have caught stuff we've done over the years, but for those new to the show, new to, new to this dynamic, I anointed you a West Ham fan a few, at the Houston Super Bowl, right? Yeah, three, I three accepted it. We had been doing, you know, your show and your radio show and, uh, that was your gift to me. And you knew I actually had been looking to be... I had never been a fan of a Premier League team. I nope. thought I need one. And you gave me West Ham. And um, the rest of the UK has been making fun of me for it since, for the most part. <laughs> but uh, our cab driver the other night dropping hmm. us off at uh, Tottenham Hotspur's stadium. Uh, is that what you call yeah, it? Yeah, Tottenham Hotspur, yep. Yeah. I'm just saying that the name of the stadium. Uh, he was a West it's Ham called, fan. It's called yeah. Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, not the Tottenham, as right. I called it the other day. That's so, like saying the Wembley Stadium. Right, they don't. They're, they're picky. Yeah. Uh, we've made some mistakes. Uh, he mm. was a big West Ham fan, Good so man. we immediately bonded. bonded. And we wanted to make sure we weren't Tottenham fans. <laughs> and uh, the stadium true. was very beautiful. We went inside the locker rooms. We were on the field. Uh, have, you cool. done a, have you done a crossed arm hammers yet? I mean, in my life? It, at the stadium. No. I expect, you don't have to do it on it. We're doing a show. We're taping this on Thursday. We have a, a Game Pass International <laughs> event tonight. We're there in the in the fan shop. The, uh, ah, yeah. Shop it's like a li- so it's a live gig? It's live, yeah. It's not being taped, I don't think. But uh, it's just for UK Game Pass subscribers. So you missed out, guys. But maybe next year. Game Pass is – it's like the one sponsor thing that – Hey, I, I am. I've been watching Game Pass since before I was at the NFL. It's like it helps me do my job. Love Game Pass. So after the game last Sunday, well, which I was doing for radio, I stayed on. I think about forty minutes after the end of kickoff. Obviously, games going on around, and then we went off air. And as you'd imagine, with eighty, well, sixty thousand fans, crazy busy. So you couldn't get a, an Uber. Couldn't get a cab for uh, uh, for anything. So I started walking down. Hmm. Um, I thought I'd just get the tube. It's about a twenty-minute walk to Seven Sisters Tube, and I had Game Pass on my phone, and that was one of the highlights of the weekend. Was regaling Cowboys fans of the first half <laughs> of the Packers Cowboys game. Uh, Packers fans as well, because you know what it's like at a London. Oh, game. you're They're, watching. Oh, and you're yeah, telling the telling fans them what, what's going on. So and, you're oh, announcing. It's getting, it. You're it's one of those worse. guys. He's always yeah. performing, isn't he, Harry? Like he always has. He's basically the host of it. He's having a show when he's the star wherever he is, <laughs> even if it's on the street. He's like, gather so around. I'm having true. a podcast, you, guys. Are you suggesting this guy's always on? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So not always on, and I thought you'd appreciate. No, I really do. The Cowboys. No, it's hilarious. It is. It's something that I would do too. It's fun. (laughs) Um, Yeah, like I was watching. You know, I'm still catching up. I hadn't quite seen the end of that Panthers game, so I was watching that in the cab over here. You know, it's always working. Always working. Uh, Speaking of Minshew, by the way, I mean, we should uh, Minshew. Should we talk? Looks better every week. Are you a big fan? We should talk some football, I guess, before you got to get back to back to the grind. How long have we got? You got to be. We got to get you. You tell me. 
I don't know. You know the. We're going to get. Him, we're going to go on the tube with you. That's yeah. it. We're going to fill a bit of that. I mean, as it well. makes me seem like I'm an idiot. I could take the tube by myself, but I'm happy to have you with. Have me. you been on the tube before? Yeah, of okay, course. All right. <laughs> okay, I've been here. This is uh, my fourth time here. Okay. I lived in New York but for you ten get years. Everywhere though, so. We do tend to do that a lot, but when I'm on my own, I take the tube around. Yeah. I mean, I lived in New York, and you're. Tube yeah. is much more well run. It's much cleaner, and yeah. it's much more sensible than than the, the subway yeah. than the subway in New York. So, in general, it's very user friendly. You know? Which is um, <laughs> is odd because because obviously the Manhattan and the just the grid like structure. The, does the I can't remember the metro. That's not true, correlate. but the subway is so old. It it's just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've got to get you on that tube soon. So we've got five minutes to talk. Football. Okay, put stalk guard him into you then. Sure. Do you love him? I mean, we can. We don't have to spend all five minutes on him. Okay. But I'm just more impressed every week. Like, comparing him to Kyle Allen, who we'll see Sunday. Mm. You know, Kyle Allen, The as each week goes on, I think coordinators are seeing different things they can do. I think we'll see Todd Bowles blitz him mm. a lot. They're having to really mix up their running game. It, North Turner's having a lot of fun. Their running game is really interesting with Curtis Samuel and Zone Reed and McCaffrey's, you know, playing better than any running back in the league, and they're just using him. But, but usually, the Bucks have got a great run D, and of course, right. the only team that's managed to stop this Carolina rushing offense this, right. this season. So to t- talk about that game for a second, like, I-, I think that's a fascinating matchup because I think they'll do whatever they can to try to make Kyle Allen beat him. We'll see if he can do that. Minshew, on the other hand, mm. for a rookie, I mean, if he was a first-round pick playing like this, I mean, I guess he wouldn't have more hype because he's having mm. a ton of hype. But yeah. I don't think it's like... Hey, giving Teddy Bridgewater a pat on the back because he's playing really well yeah, as a backup. Sure, sure. I think it's like this guy's been awesome. Yeah, this for looks like four he belongs, weeks. A sixth round pick who is smart enough that he doesn't take chances. He doesn't need to. But anytime he lets it go, like that first touchdown to Chark last week and, and some other plays, his his hit rate on those long throws are outrageous. Yeah. He's been just on fire. Yeah, and he has what um, Daniel Jeremiah would call quiet feet, which mm. is like. Tom Brady's the best at that. He when he's in the pocket and no one's around him, he's just like it's quiet in there. He's not jumping, you know. He's just on the balls of his feet, and that I don't know. You can't coach that. He's pretty special, I think. He's one of the. He's got bre- a chance to be special. Breakouts, yeah, chance to be special. Breakout stars of the season. Who else do you have on that? And McCaffrey's obviously got to be on that. Sure, I mean, seeing Dalvin Cook, you know, run the way that he is, I I always kind of expected. You know, that he had it in him. I think Deshaun Watson kind of taking the next step mm. has been really fun to watch. I mean, we'll see Shaq Barrett. I always liked Shaq Barrett as a backup yeah. to Von Miller and DeMarcus Ware. He was in that Super Bowl, had a pretty good Super Bowl against these Panthers. Yeah. He was a rookie, I believe, back then. I always thought he could play, and man. He, he had a monster game against them a few weeks he ago. Had he had three monster games in a row mm. and then quiet last week, but this is a better matchup. The Panthers' offensive line is fine. It's mm. not It's not great. Uh, in terms of ideas that you had, strong convictions if you had them at the, the start of the season that have completely surprised you either way. So a team that you thought was going to be much better than it has been or a player that you thought was going to deliver more, what's the what would you pull out there? I mean, I'm shocked how bad the Steelers are because I don't think it's all been Roethlisberger. Mm. They were bad with him. Their O-line's not good. I just kind of expect that organization to figure things out a little better. The Chargers, I think, are yeah, the, really? one of the worst two and three teams. They're two and three, right? Yeah. I think they're lucky to be two and three. Their defense, I thought, would be really good. And they've been really hurt. So 
it's a it's tough to bag really on them, on but they've been te- they've been terrible on defense. And mm. it wouldn't surprise me if they lose this week and go to two and four, and, and people panic because out. they're playing the Steelers. Those two teams are playing each other, yeah, right, which would be a bad loss. Um, I mean, Minshew certainly as a positive. The the Bills being as like steady yeah. as they are, yeah, I yeah. think they're going to win eleven games. That, I, that we was, did the. Uh, highlight show the other day with OC and Jason. We we're all saying they're, gonna, they're making the playoffs. That even uh, you could argue top four seed in the AFC right now. I mean, the record suggests that, but I mean outside of that. And if you look at the schedule, they've got so many easy games because they're NFC East as well, right? So, right. So you've got the Redskins and the Giants, and you've got I guess they already played some of these, but you have the Jets, Jets and Dolphins, Dolphins yeah. again, yeah, yeah. and then I think they're going to split their other games. That's the thing is right. I remember I said that, and some people came at me. It's like, yeah, but those are that only gets them to eight or nine wins. I'm like, they're going to win these games like at Tennessee at least half the time. And they did it. We got to get you on a train. Okay. I'm sorry we spent 27 minutes talking. Let's bag on the. Let's finish it by bagging on the Browns. Who would have ever thought Ooh, that okay. they're 29th in, in offensive DVOA according to Football Outsiders, which is my favorite kind of overall metric. 29. That's worse than Dalton's Bengals without all of his friends. That's worse than Chase mm-hmm. Daniel and Trubisky's Bears. That's worse than the Cardinals, who at least have a little bit of a running game. That's extraordinary. I'm just. I'm not shocked they're two and three and a little like underwhelming compared to the hype, but I'm shocked that their offense is legit bad. That bad. Where's Freddie Kitchens in five years' time? He's probably someone's quarterback coach. Mm, really, he's dropping down that far. I mean, he—that's what he was going into this season. He had never been a coordinator before. No. Haslam has such a history of one and dones and making changes. I I do wonder if that thing spirals. If Freddie Kitchens is the guy to kind of right the ship, their schedule does get easier down mm. the stretch, but they have uh, a tough one this week against Seattle and then mm. New England after their oh, bye. So that could be two and five. Oh, ouchio, ouchio. Uh, one more then on Baker Mayfield, who is getting the headlines again. That Sherman story was interesting, wasn't it? Did Sherman said he f- forgot that he got it wrong, the handshake, he didn't shake my hand, and then someone released footage, an ESPN journal released footage that he did. I actually buy his reason because other NFL players have st- stood up and said this that sometimes you put yourself into crazy mental states to play football yeah and like he convinced himself that that happened and it didn't actually happen yeah. I mean you know pe- plenty of people we do it ourselves you convince yourself something happened that didn't happen yeah. and and that is just something where he got into such a heightened emotional state for some reason he used that to fire him up even though it literally didn't happen and then it's also Mike Silver's talking to him who does a great job in the moments after the game and he's feeling like like a a wrestler that just won the championship (laughs) belt and he's just going nuts and so I can kind of buy that all of this was fabricated in his own mind. Uh, we didn't talk wrestling. We'll have to save that for the Super Bowl, which is probably the next time we're going to catch up, right? Please. Uh, all right. Lock that down. Let's get you on the Metro. <laughs> See how I went Metro, not you. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. It, it was great seeing Greg. I'm looking forward uh, to having him on the show again later on uh, this season, but spending time catching up and just talking about things outside of the day-to-day grind of the season was terrific. Fine work from Ben Isaacs as well. Let's plug that college stuff one more time at ESPN player or on our social channels at the NC show is where you can go and find some bonus college chat from Ben. And that is all she wrote from us for this episode. We're going to head to where to almost said Wembley to Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on Sunday for Panthers Bucks. We'll be reacting to that and all the action on Monday's show. The comedian Marek Larwood making his season debut. Looking forward to catching up with him. But before all that, don't forget, of course, 
our Saturday Daily Fantasy Pod, me and the OG, getting you ready for Paddy Power Daily Fantasy this Sunday. That will drop Saturday morning, bright and early videos flying around on the social channels as well. So go and get stuck in there. One more thing, big shout out to the guys at Apple for putting us on the homepage. We really, really appreciate that. And if you're listening to us on Apple, wherever you are actually catching the pod, if you've got time, go and drop us a review. All helps with everything. We really appreciate it. Enjoy the games this weekend, and we'll see you Monday. Podcast Network.